Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Ephesians 3, 1-13 For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realised in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Good morning, Westminster Chapel. Uh, My name is Ray. It's my pleasure to welcome you here. We come now to the portion in our service where we worship by reflecting on and listening to God's word together. Now, if you're watching this after the live broadcast, I want to strongly encourage you to join us each week on Sundays at 11 a.m. For reasons I will go to in this sermon, it's important that we gather together, that we gather together and we mutually be a blessing to one another. But this week, we get to go back into the book of Ephesians where Paul is writing to the church and he wants this church and he wants us to know something very important. And that is that the church matters. More than we may realize, more than they may realize, the church is not just a bonus byproduct of God's redeeming work. It's the very center of God's redemptive plan. Chapel, do you realize how important you are? There's a, there's a problem here. Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesians from prison. He's locked up. He's captured. And his imprisonment strikes at the heart of those that he's leading. Why is this happening? What's going to happen to us? Why, God? You see, when circumstances, they don't fit our expectations of what's supposed to happen. They strike at our heart. We lose our boldness. We lose our confidence. And the condition of our hearts, yeah, that matters. That matters. Our hearts matter so much 
So much that Paul, after everything that he says in this passage, he talks about the mystery hidden for ages. He talks about the manifold wisdom of God. He talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. He talks about God's eternal plan. And then he says, so, therefore, in light of everything that I've just said, he says this to them, not to lose heart. Our heart matters. What we feel in our heart, what we experience in the core of our being, it matters. Because with our hearts, we, we delight, we rejoice. We also lament and mourn, as we heard last week. And with our hearts, we behold beauty. You may know of Helen Keller, she lost her sight and hearing as a child, and she had every reason to give up on life. But she didn't. You see, I think she found a secret. She discovered something. She understood that there was something far greater than the senses that she had lost. She writes this, the best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with the heart. Now, Helen Keller went on to write 14 books. She became a world-renowned uh, speaker, an author, an advocate for disability rights, for women's rights, for labor rights, for world peace. Her full heart enabled her to do great things. And I ask you, ask me, what fills our hearts? What fills our hearts? Paul says, do not lose heart. In other words, he's saying, don't get discouraged. But the reality is, is a lot more difficult, more, a lot more complex, because the smallest things can upset us, right? The smallest things can discourage us. Think if you're, if you're rushing to, to make an appointment and you miss your train. Oh, that sinking feeling. Or perhaps far worse, the, the, the worst thing in the world could, that could happen, you lose your phone. You misplace it. You lose your connection. Or, or maybe you've just come out of an argument with a loved one. Discouragement. Losing heart. See, when things don't go our way, we're left wondering, why? Why is this happening? Why, why did this have to happen? You might question like Job in the Old Testament who lost everything. He lost his possessions. He lost his family. He lost even his health and he was left with only his life and he's left there and he's asking, why God, why, why was I even born if I have to go through this? You see, our hearts can be lost and broken in the midst of failures, loss, and grief. And God never does tell Job why he had to suffer. But he does answer him. And God answers us. So God never, may not tell us why. We may never understand why. But he does tell us that who will come and do something about it. God demonstrates by sending his own son, Jesus, to suffer 
for us and die for us, that, he, that God sent someone to do something about it. That same Jesus who suffered and died says, behold, I am making everything new. Not just your suffering, not just your circumstance, everything. I'm making everything new. Our hearts matter. So how do we, how do we encourage how do we give courage, literally, to our hearts? Now, if you grew up uh, in the same era that I did, you know, Disney films were sort of the biggest thing, right? You, you, could, you could watch any Disney film and come out with a message, follow your heart. Follow your heart and everything will be all right. But this is not a fairy tale. This is real life. So how do we keep from getting discouraged? Well, I want to... Submit this to you. Unless we feed our hearts, unless we feed our hearts by beholding real, lasting beauty, we will always get discouraged. We will always lose heart. And we feed our hearts by, by filling our minds, by filling our heads. So not only do our hearts matter, our head matters. Look at verse 7 to 9. Here in these verses, Paul states his purpose, his, where his ministry is directed. And most importantly, he talks about the content of his ministry. And these things must be true for us today as well. His purpose. First, there are two audiences that he names here. The first audience is that he was set apart to preach to the Gentiles. Now, you may know this already, but the Jewish people were a community, a, a people group called out from God, to be with God, to live with God, to live with his covenant promises, and to be messengers of his glory. And the Gentiles, which is probably most of us in the room and at home, they're everyone outside of that, outside of the promises of God, other, alien, stranger, excluded, ignored. But the good news of the gospel is that now that outside is being brought in. Those who are outside the promises of God get to now enjoy the promises of God. They are rescued. They are redeemed. They are rescued to God through Jesus Christ. And we are formed into a new covenant community made up of people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. Church, in our purpose, in our activity, we must not ever lose sight of the outsider, the other. There's a second audience that Paul mentions here, and that is everyone, everyone. Our call is to, everything that we do ought to bring light to everyone. Now, what does light mean except that there's great darkness around there's great darkness in our worlds, and the darkness, it hides and it confounds. It, it confuses and it abuses. It isolates and it separates. It's the very thing that makes us lose heart. But light, 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 it brightens. It reveals, it illumines, it brings clarity and hope. Chapel, 
Are we bringing light to everyone? If you were to pack up your things and move house, would your neighborhood, your community, know that you've been gone? Church, if we were to shut our doors this very moment, would Westminster, would the city of London notice that we were gone? We need to be lights to everyone. And, you know, sometimes we have, we have really good insights, bright thoughts, right? Uh, that's good. But I don't want you to miss this, that all of our bright thoughts and insights are nothing compared to the source of light. There's only one light that is full of beauty and majesty, And it is the one, Jesus, who calls himself the light of the world. And this is what we need to fill our hearts and our minds with. C.S. Lewis, the Oxford professor and the author of the Narnia series, uh, he's also an atheist who turned Christ follower. He says this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. The light transforms the way that we see the world. It reveals the world as it actually is. And when we see the world in the light of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, we can finally see clearly with hope. Hashtag no filter. If you ever want our hearts to overcome the discouragement of darkness, we must illumine and fill our minds, not with some abstract light or thought or idea, but we must fill our minds with him. Look at verse eight, and I wanna dwell for a moment at this magnificent phrase at the end of verse eight, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Firstly, it's unsearchable. It's unsearchable. It means that despite how, how profound and how awesome our minds are, the human mind, all of human knowledge, how, how amazing that is, we cannot apprehend, we cannot comprehend, we cannot grasp the limits of the riches of Christ. Secondly, they, they, they are riches. They're riches, Right? They're valuable, they're precious, they're worthy of us laboring and striving and working for. It's worth giving up everything for just to grasp hold of it. And what do you need riches for? Well, it might seem obvious, but you need riches for the areas where you're poor, where you're lacking. And Paul gives us some good reasons or some good areas where we're lacking in this letter to the Ephesians. He tells us that we were once enemies of God. We were by nature children of wrath, chapter two, verse three. And when the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he shines into our hearts and we feel that light shining and we realize indeed how utterly holy and majestic God is, and how utterly sinful and unworthy we are. But, but thanks be to God, 
But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. You see, Jesus, through his death on our behalf on the cross, he takes on our sin, he bears our punishment, and in return, he clothes us. He covers us with his royal robes of righteousness so that we are acceptable and we can be reconciled to God, our creator. That's real treasure. Perhaps in this moment, you're you're, you're struggling. You're lacking peace and rest. You're dealing with anxiety. You're not sure where it's coming from, but you just need peace and rest. Well, the same Jesus says this. He says, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He also says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give, not as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is real precious, to have peace and rest. Or perhaps in, in this moment of, of, of this global pandemic, you feel alone. You feel isolated. You feel disconnected. Well, let me steal a line from Paul and now tell you of the most excellent way. You see, these riches, these riches are of Christ. And what does, what does that mean? It means these riches flow from, they come from, they proceed from Christ. Now think about that for a moment, these riches. If these riches are unsearchable, unfathomable, how much more is Christ himself? Because do you know that? Paul prays after this passage. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You hear that? Dwell in your hearts. We don't just have the riches of Christ. We have Christ himself dwelling in us so that in Christ, if you are in Christ, you are never alone. You are never disconnected. You get to know and feel the love of God with the spirit of Christ in your hearts. Even the unsearchable riches of Christ, they pale in comparison to Christ himself. Do you know, do you know the riches that you possess in Christ? Do you know that? Are you reminding yourself? Are you filling your mind with these unsearchable riches, these inexhaustible riches of Christ? Or are you living like you've searched them? Are you living like you've defined them, you've captured them, you fully understand them? I tell you, you will never exhaust the riches of Christ, let alone Christ himself. Our Lord Jesus Christ, with him by his spirit living in you by faith, he will fill you to overflowing He'll fill you with love, with joy, with peace, with patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And every 
spiritual blessing. How? Because he is the risen Lord. He is the resurrected Lord. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father in the throne room of heaven, and he is giving out his gifts. He is giving out his gifts to commission you if you would only receive them. What do we do with these gifts? Why does it all matter? It matters because you, me, as part of Christ's church, we matter. You know, we're gathering here in this place, the people in this room, the people watching at home online, we're gathering together. We're not simply bystanders of God's eternal plan of redemption. We have an important role to play. Therefore, what we do, how we act, how we behave, these are acts with cosmic importance. What we do with our hands matter. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 starts with an epic, so that. So that, through the church. This is why, this is why Paul's ministry matters. This is why what we do as a church matters, because through the church, something happens. You see, we're not all heart and experience and neglect theology and doctrine. Neither are we all mind and study and head knowledge, and we neglect the, the experiences of our hearts. Neither are we all hand and deed, doing things at, at the neglect of the spiritual realities. No, we're called to be all of that. We're called to be all heart, all head, and all hand so that we are a truly embodied community of hope that has a cosmic impact. See, Paul says here that the church does something. It displays and it proclaims what's called the manifold wisdom of God. Manifold is this uh, old-timey word. It means variegated. It means, it means multifaceted. It means multi-layered wisdom of God. Um, it might help to, to think of this in this way. Imagine yourself as a single thread, single piece of thread. Go on, pick your favorite color. Now, think about that thread being intertwined with all the different colored threads of your family, of your community of your colleagues, of your church. And now think of those groups of threads being woven together with other groups, with other communities, perhaps the city, perhaps the nation. Now zoom out, zoom out from that picture and you get to this point where you don't see the individual threads anymore, but you start seeing uh, patterns and you start seeing patches of things. And some parts look stunning some hearts look beautiful, but others, uh, they look a little threadbare. And still others look like they're unraveling, they're decaying. And you can see that the rot is spreading out. See, at this level of Zoom, where you see all those different patches, this is where the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places sit. Paul has in mind these angelic uh, spiritual forces, probably including both good and evil, but he has in particular focus forces who are hostile to God's plan. Imagine these spiritual forces. 
They're looking down at this, this tapestry, and they're, and they're looking down with glee because they see the advance of decay. They see the advance of chaos. They see the unraveling, and they think that, yes, sin has conquered this good creation. But above this level, zoom back with me once again. Zoom back to a level that these evil forces cannot see. At this level, God in his eternal wisdom has executed his eternal plan. And this is realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's to unite all things under Christ. Enter the church. You, me. See, the church heralds, it proclaims, it declares with a battle cry to these rulers and authorities, you are defeated. Your time is up. The church appears on this tapestry as, as, as a pattern, but it's growing, it's expanding, it is patching up, it is reinforcing, it is renewing, particularly those areas that are, that are worn out, and it's pulling everything together to create a beautiful picture of God's reconciling work in Christ. How does the church do this? It's through her radical unity in diversity in Christ. See, when all those multicolored threads, yours included, form together, they come together, they make a masterpiece that God is, is weaving together. When people who are, would otherwise be strangers and, and even enemies in the world when they come together and they join together as one family in the church, that is the very riches of Christ being made manifest. It tells the world that these riches that, that we hold on are greater than the things that divide us. In fact, the riches are what unify us. In Christ, the church is one body. And through our one bodiness. We proclaim that the age of division and hostility is over and the age of all things coming united under Christ and being renewed is here. Your time is up, we declare. You see, the church is not just, it's not just the model of a community that's shaped by the gospel. It is the method that God uses to transform the world. And we do this by the quality, quality of life that we share together and the love that we have for one another. Do you want to be a community like this? Don't you want to be a part of that? I have to say that as, as beautiful as, as chapel is, as wonderful as uh, Westminster Chapel is, we are not the church, Big C Church. We're just one of a multitude of many local churches that make up Christ's body here on earth. We're, we, we need other churches. We need other churches with different focuses, with different styles, made up of different members. And that's why we're, we're part of a global family of churches in commission in New Frontiers and in the wider Christian world. But what's true of chapel needs to be true of us within chapel as well. We need each other with all our manifold differences and diversity. We belong together. We are stronger together than we are apart. 
We are called to be a church that welcomes the outsider, that extends hospitality to the other, that brings visible light to everyone. We don't just do this with our words. We don't just do this with our, with our experiences. We need to do it with our whole bodies. We need our hearts, our minds, and our hands to be united under Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit with each other to live out this cosmic and divine calling, to be the church, to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is our calling This is why you matter. This is why chapel matters. Are you ready to answer that call to be the church? Just now, as we close, some questions to to think about, some questions to ponder. What is the condition of your heart. Where is your heart? What, what do you feel full of courage for? And what areas, what things discourage you most easily? What of the unsearchable riches of Christ, which one of those do you need to remind yourself of today? If you want a list, read through the first chapter of Ephesians again. Remind yourself, fill your minds with that. And consider, who is, the, who is the outsider in your midst? Who is the person that is ignored and neglected? Is this someone even in our church? And how can we bring light to everyone? We are called to live out radical unity and diversity. Living out modeling the gospel, being the gospel in a way that bears witness to the world and the cosmos. Are you ready to answer that call? Let's pray together. Father of creation, we praise you, we honor you, We give thanks to you because you are the sovereign Lord who in your eternal plan, from the very beginning, you have thought of your son and his bride, the church. You've thought of us. You've given us a tremendous calling. And you've filled us, you've empowered us, you've, you've, you've overflown us with tremendous gifts in order to live that calling. Help us, we ask. Help us in those areas where we're, we're prone to lo- lose heart, prone to wander, the song that we sang says. Help us, Lord, by your spirit living in us, fill our hearts with the unsearchable riches of Christ that we might live out as the church a community that is that is welcoming hospitable and a blessing to everyone 
We pray this for your sake and for your glory. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
a stirring and excellent message from Ray. I believe that God is here by his spirit to set our hearts on fire again for him. I don't know how you arrived at this service today or what the temperature, the condition of your heart was at, but I know that God wants to make it hotter and warmer and to stir the fires of your affection for him as you start to see the fires of his affection for you and for his church. So we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Um, I'm going to invite you, if you're in the room, if you're at home, to put your arms out in a posture to receive. But we want God to come and to start to burn up our hearts, to burn up them from impurities and wrong affections and desires and to aflame them with the unsearchable riches of his extraordinary love for us. And if you know as well before we pray that why you just need to talk to somebody, there's an issue of your heart, there's an issue of the heart that's going on and you request prayer. If you're watching online, request prayer. We would love for our team to get the opportunity to stand alongside you and to bring the issue you're wrestling with to God in prayer. But right now we want to call on God for him to come. Lord, thank you. Thank you that the riches of your love for us are unsearchable, that you're so committed to us, you're so committed to your church, you would die for us. Lord God, we thank you. You came from heaven to earth. Now, Lord God, set our hearts ablaze with you. Your spirit, come and enliven them. Come and enlarge them, Lord God, and help us to do that as we fix our eyes on you. Fill our gaze with you. Help us to see you more clearly. Lord, break off all the things that might block out the light of your glory from being seen by our spiritual eyes right now, Lord. We're praying, God, be our vision. Unlock our eyes to see you, that we'd be led by you completely as we surrender our hearts to you, God. But come, come in this moment as we continue to worship you. Set our hearts on fire for you.
Come now to continue to respond to the Lord and his goodness to us. If you guys who are here, do you want to take a seat for a moment? We're moving to expressing our worship through giving. And it's one of those moments when you're a church leader, you always feel a little uncomfortable asking people to give money. And sometimes people can feel a little bit uncomfortable about being asked by a church leader to give money. I'm not after a really nice car or a bigger salary or anything like that. I think you know us well enough that we're not about that as a church. Giving is an issue of the heart, very much that we've been talking about, of seeking to put God first, especially in a world that loves money. Now, your dream may not be to be rich these days, but it may be to be really comfortable. It may be to be in control and have the freedom to make certain decisions of your life. All those things can still be idols. And so giving is very much an issue of spiritual formation. Jesus spoke about it a lot. It really matters in that sense, but it also matters for the mission of the church. To go forward with power, it needs financing. It needs resourcing. And it's an expression of our love for God, our unity in diversity. We care about this enough. It tells the world a powerful message as we seek to give of our finances. Let me read to you what Paul wrote from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He said, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Paul says those words in the context of encouraging the church to give. It's amazing, isn't it? The unsearchable riches that Christ has, and yet that they would be deployed 
he would almost sacrifice those riches in dying on the cross so that he could make you and I rich by his poverty. The rich one becomes the poor one so that you can become the rich one. And Paul is saying, because of that, let that melt your heart to really want to give. And giving generously has been a pattern through followers of God all the way through the scriptures from the construction of the tabernacle. If you look at just the gold and the silver alone that was given to build that, um, it's about $40 million alone that the people of God gave. And then you've got the incredible generosity in the giving of the temple. And then in the rebuilding those walls of Jerusalem, again, phenomenal amounts of generosity. And then into the New Testament age, and you've got people who are selling buildings and properties and land that they own own and then giving the money, the proceeds of that sale to the apostles, the leaders of the movement of churches. Wow, this is radical generosity and it's part of the DNA of God's people and we are privileged to be able to express that right now through our project to transform the building of Westminster Chapel to make it a phenomenal rescue center. So with the help of our wonderful team here who've been working very hard uh, right through the night, it seems, at times to get this video ready for you, we've got a great video now giving you a bit of the backstory and context to this building project. But as we're about to watch it, I just pray that you might ask God, how much should you give? And just be open that he might say, I want you to give more than what you're thinking about right now. Let's watch the video. One of the worst things that you can ever hear as a church leader is that the people living and working in the community you're seeking to reach think that the church you lead is closed. That, sadly, is exactly what we found out several years ago when we surveyed our locality. Because the auditorium, this front visible part of the church, is closed Mondays to Saturdays, people thought Westminster Chapel had shut down. And that is what this building project is seeking to change. If you're new to us, we are looking to put a visible, hospitable, accessible, wonderful, reaching out and drawing in space right at the front of our building where hundreds, if not thousands of people will walk by every single day. A brilliant new community space that we can do mission from that is open throughout the week that currently doesn't exist. For a long time, people have felt that our building is not fit for purpose. In 1924, the biographer of John Henry Jowett, a significant minister in the life of our church, described the building as having inherent defects and being gaunt, drear and chilly. Jowett himself said that the building possessed a subtle kind of antagonism rather than being welcoming. In June 1971, the then minister, Reverend Glyn Owen, wrote to the whole congregation suggesting the building be demolished and a new one built in its place to better serve the purposes of the church. Well, the church didn't do that. Instead, in 1989, they completed a one million pound project, giving us the main hall, lounge and kitchen, which we still enjoy today. 
In 2012, we appointed architects to design some plans to show us how we could open up the front of the building, but we weren't able to follow through on their ideas at that point. In 2017, though, with the church growing again, we found an outstanding visionary firm of architects who caught our heart, Scott Whitby Studios, and they took these plans and they developed them significantly. And in doing so, they showed us a number of key areas, physical barriers that we needed to overcome to enjoy and make better use of our space. Things like the front steps preventing disabled and buggy access, the screen and the small lobby area at the front of the church, the restrictions that the pews were causing to movement, the small stage and that narrow door causing bottlenecks between the auditorium and the back rooms. On the 31st of December 2017, New Year's Eve, Guy Miller shared this significant prophetic word. I felt God stir me at the beginning of this week from the words of Haggai. Who of you is left from in this room that saw the house in its former glory? Well, how does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, leaders of Westminster Chapel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Howard. Be strong, all the members of this church, declares the Lord, and work. Because this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, once more, I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations will come. And I will fill this house, Westminster Chapel, with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, and this will be a year when God tests us on our giving like he's never tested us before. Because behind our sowing into his eternal kingdom, are thousands and thousands of lives that God wants to save, says the Lord Almighty. On the 18th of January 2018, we voted 97% in favour of proceeding with the project. On the 18th of March, it was our first giving day, and you gave or pledged a whopping £251,000. Praise God. On the 28th of October of 2018, we had our second giving day and you gave or pledged a further £105,000. That was brilliant. In November, we submitted our plans to Westminster City Council for planning permission. And on the 12th of June, despite people saying you're a grade two listed building, you'll never get planning permission. We not only got planning permission, we had no objections to our application. Praise God for that. Felt like a miracle to us. On the following Sunday, the 18th of June, we had a guest speaker, Carl Beach, booked to preach for Father's Day. Not knowing that the Sunday after him, we had planned as a result of getting planning permission for a big giving day. Not knowing that, he prophesied this. I feel like God would say to you, to you as a church, and I didn't know about these, these building plan things, how significant that was. Uh, I feel God saying, don't hold back in this next season. Empty your pockets for this. You know, this, this is a unique divine opportunity you have as a church to use everything that God's placed in your hands to create a dynamic rescue centre in the heart of London. And I know this, the, everyone must talk about the heritage of this church. And I, I know the history of this church. And it's a great privilege to be invited to speak. And I'm grateful to Howard and the team for inviting me to speak. But actually, I feel like one of the most significant things I could say to you as those of you who believe and follow Christ in this church at this moment is do not hold back. 
use everything that God has placed in your hands. I think this granting of planning permission is probably a miracle. It doesn't easily happen to grade two listed churches, particularly churches. I think you're on the, on the, on the edge of maybe something extremely significant. Do not hold back. And if you're not yet behind the vision, I think I can say to someone who's completely outside and get behind it because I believe it's the Lord. It's solidly of Jesus. On the 23rd of June 2019, we had our last giving day in which you gave or pledged a brilliant £162,000. Together, total giving, that's over half a million. Hallelujah. Praise God. In December last year, 2020, we sold the second of two flats that Chapel owns in faith so that we no longer have their rental income, but we wanted to release their asset value and put that into the building project. Collectively, taking away all we've spent so far, that gives us just over a million pounds to spend on the building project. It's a little less than we'd hoped for. And having spoken with our uh, architects, our contractors and our consultants, in order to get this battleship building Westminster Chapel fit for purpose, ready for the spiritual fight that is ahead of us to put two massive, amazing gospel guns right at her bow at the front, firing out gospel seed into the streets of London throughout the week. In order to do that, we're going to need another £250,000. Now, we know that's a big ask but it will make a big difference to what we're able to do as one project together at the same time. We're also understanding of the fact that many have been financially hit by COVID and are a lot worse off, but then there are people who are also better off because of COVID, not having to travel into work, not going on holidays and so forth. There have been a number of financial savings for them. And there are people who've been tracking with us for some time, who've not had the opportunity to give, we've not had a giving day for some time, and get now this once in a lifetime opportunity to sow into the kingdom, to put a missional community space right at the front of our building that will be reaching out and drawing people into the life that is inside, a rescue center right in the heart of London with a more flexible and functional auditorium free from pews. We foresee our parents and toddlers group, Little Stars, more visible, operating in the auditorium, supported by a coffee shop at the front of the church. And the same would be true for Alpha courses and well-being courses being readily available. People to see and walk in off the street and experience something of our church life together. Lunchtime meetings for local workers and community lunches to care for those who are vulnerable in our area. There's just so many ways we could use this space. Tuition classes for kids who need extra help because of COVID. It could be uh, dance classes, exercise classes could take place in the auditorium. You could see it there as an exhibition space for local schools to present uh, their artwork in and so on. So many possibilities. Westminster needs this project. London needs this project. There's no better thing that you can invest in than the church. But for this to happen, we all need to play our part. And that means for some of us, we need to give big. And we should heed the words of the Apostle Paul. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We will need more than one person, one family 
to give £50,000 or more um, in this project. If you do have a sizable amount of money, but you're not in a position to give it, would you consider loaning it to Chapel as an interest-free loan with some favourable terms? If that's something that you could do, please email treasurer at westminsterchapel.org.uk. We have been praying for revival. So it is no surprise that God is testing our longing for him and particularly challenging us in the area of money. Often the last thing that's said to be converted is a person's wallet. Do we want God more, more than big bank balances and pension pots? The U.S. pastor, O.S. Hawkins, said this. The principal hindrance to the advancement of the kingdom of God is greed. It is the chief obstacle to heaven sent revival. It seems that when the back of greed is broken, the human spirit soars into regions of unselfishness. I believe it is safe to say that there can be no continuous revival without hilarious giving. And I fear no contradiction. Wherever there is hilarious giving, there will soon be revival. I am expectant for some extraordinary, hilarious, happy, joyful giving as an expression of our longing for God to come in revival power. But also we're giving because of faith in this project, that God is behind this project, that God is in this project. And God will use this building transformation to transform hundreds, if not thousands of people's lives because of our sacrificial giving. Just think of the legacy of the main hall and the lounge and the kitchen and the benefit that we've had from them year after year after year and multiply that by a thousand. Not just for us, but benefit and blessing to the people as currently who are outside our doors. I tell you, human spirits will soar. Yours and mine and those of people coming to faith because of what we do in these next days in our generous giving by faith faith into this project. So please join us in this last big give before we hope work will commence in April and pray for God's favour to continue to rest on this project. Thank you and bless you and here now are the giving details. continue now to worship and to just make sure we are coming in line with what God is doing in our hearts as we respond to give. We want to sing as an expression of that as well. This building project is not really about us. It's about Jesus. It's about his name, his fame, his glory. It's about our liberation from the power of greed. And it's about 
making a new way for us to reach the lost of London. It's for the spiritually poor of London. It's for the materially poor of London. It's for the relationally poor of London. And it's that relational poverty which is behind so much of the material poverty in the first place. And we are the church, a family who can offer that relationship in spades with us, but ultimately with God. I'm not embarrassed to ask you to give big for this project in faith that there is nothing better that you could invest in for your own heart and spiritual formation but for the lost for what matters for the sake of eternity it's that people might know and love Jesus in our time and for the generations to come again and again and again until Jesus returns we could do something that makes history in this very moment and you we get to be a part of that so I'm going to pray as we come to sing this song Lord I'd ask you to move on everyone's heart right now I pray for freedom from fear over money freedom from anxiety about finances in this moment freedom from the spirit of control from the spirit of comfort freedom Lord God from all the things that could hold us back and make us feel like we're not safe enough Lord we've got you and that's what matters Lord we are safe nothing can separate us from your love and I pray that your love would now overflow in our hearts and release us to give generously we pray for that spirit of hilarious cheerful giving that might open the door to revival because we're saying we're surrendering everything we've got at your feet Jesus we're giving it to you through your church to giving it to you Jesus for the sake of the world that the world outside the doors of Westminster Chapel they might know Jesus and not be lost for eternity God we're asking you to open this building up and to open our hearts up to share the good news of Jesus throughout the week every day that Christianity would not be a Sunday thing for any of us but it would be an everyday thing for your glory do what we want to do in this building in us and do what's happening in us into this building we pray come and move and stir us now to worship you I pray amen stand thanks for listening to sermon audio from Westminster Chapel If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.